0: No doubt there are a lot of political junkies out there who spend a good deal of time flipping between cable news channels. But you also have people who are deeply concerned about issues like the economy and education who don't follow the political process too closely. Good morning. I'm George Boraki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Getting people more engaged is critical to ensuring candidates address the issues facing all Americans. WFEV has been doing its part to raise political consciousness. As part of our Strike Accord campaign, all this month we've been featuring public service announcements highlighting not-for-profit organizations that work to get people more engaged in the political process. And this past week we ran a series of special reports in our newscasts on the topic of civic participation. This morning, our coverage of this important issue continues right here on Cityscape. With the November elections inching closer, many organizations are in overdrive, working to get people more excited to head to the polls and have their voices heard. And they have their work cut out for them. Voter turnout in New York City is low, with a capital L. Our first guest this morning is Onida Coward-Mayors. She's the Director of Voter Assistance for the New York City Campaign Finance Board, or CFB. Onida, good morning.
1: Good morning, and thank you for having me.
0: What's the story behind the CFB in terms of its history and its mission?
1: Well, you know, the, the Campaign Finance Board is a very... Um, incredible organization that's been around an agency that's been around for quite some years celebrated its 20th anniversary not that long ago and I'm so very happy to be a part of that agency about 2 years ago we had a charter referendum that moved the voter assistance activities from the Voter Assistance Commission to the Campaign Finance Board, which made a lot of sense because the Campaign Finance Board has its own voter education efforts that it has always done through its voter guide, through its debate programs. So it was a really wonderful place to bring these other voter activities of civic engagement to the agency.
0: How would you describe the state of voter engagement in New York City today? Dismal. Dismal, really.
1: Mayor Bloomberg had reported in uh, 2010 that we were number 47 in participation of all states. I don't think that's a place that we want to be. We are New Yorkers. We are vocal. We're at the forefront of everything.
0: So you have your work cut and out for you.
1: Absolutely. And I like to, I, we like to think that it's not just me, but it's it, the community in totality. So it's something that we all have to find a cure for.
0: Which segments of the population are less likely to go to the polls?
1: Well, George, with 20% of New Yorkers, eligible New Yorkers, actually voting, I'd like to say everyone, because we've moved the conversation from those people who we don't know to those people we do know. So when you're talking about 20% of the population, you're you're going right across the board. (laughs) So we can't forget anyone, we should say.
0: But that being said, are new immigrants less likely to vote than native New Yorkers?
1: Yes, our studies show, and we just this year, we just released a study with a capstone study with New York University, and what we have found from there is that, yes, clearly new immigrants coming in, assimilating, transitioning, those are one population that are less likely to register to vote and vote. This, this population, these populations also include younger, the younger generation, we also have, um, you know, women actually outstep men in voting, but just very slightly. Uh, and women are also participating at 20%, so that brings men in a little under that. Clearly, we have, when we're looking at census, our numbers pretty much mirror what you see with the census tracts. And so communities that have a lot to also worry and contend with we're no longer at the top of their um list of things to do let's say people live very complicated lives and it they, they you know they're very apathetic toward voting
0: i understand that you go to naturalization ceremonies here in new york city to encourage people to exercise their right to vote
1: absolutely you know there are a couple of places, that being one of them, where you have a ripe community and you use it or you lose it. So when we go to naturalization, swearing-in ceremonies, we have a different model in terms of voter registration. We don't just set up a table and hope that people come by and stop by, but that we try to really share stories with them. Uh, My own personal story also is um, coming to this country, being an immigrant myself, being uh, brought to this country by my single mother. From where? From the country of Panama. <laughs> and uh, we came to New York for the reason of my mother trying to find better opportunities for herself and for her young child. And, uh, you know, through that, I, you know, I watched her But I also, you know, while I watched her sacrificing everything to have a better life for the both of us, she also set a very good example in terms of participation. So I was always um, introduced to understanding what's going on in our community, being involved in our community, understanding the importance of uh, giving back, and registering to vote and voting. (laughs) So always going to the polls. With my mother, and my story is not uh, different from any of those who are there. Uh, everyone is in, in in seeking a better life, and they're coming here. And this is one of the tenets. This is one of the foundations. This is one of our our rights. So I share that with them to let them see their story, to appreciate their journey. And to make sure that they can make the connection on that day that now I am a citizen. And what do I do now as a citizen? I should be proud to be able to register to vote. I should be proud to exercise my right to vote. So um, it, it is something that usually does sh- uh, strike a chord with them. <laughs>
0: You mentioned that young people are also underrepresented at the polls here in New York City. Do you work with schools to teach people at a young age the importance of voting?
1: Yes. Uh, one of the things that we have with us is the, there's a local law in the New York City Charter, and it calls for all graduating high school seniors to, one, receive a voter registration form with their high school diploma. So the Department of Education does order forms. So we work with them to get the the forms that they need from the New York City Board of Elections, and they distribute it to all of the high schools. They work with the parent coordinators there to make sure that the graduating seniors receive it and understand what to do with it. We're very fortunate to have a chancellor who works – closely with our office and believes in making sure we get that message out. Now, outside of that, we started a program also working with youth, uh, with the Youth Poet Laureate Contest, and that is a voter-themed spoken word competition where a young teen between the ages of 16 to 19 is crowned the Youth Poet Laureate for the City of New York, and it's their task to go with their finalists as ambassadors and carry that message to their peers throughout the schools, throughout the parks, uh, throughout activities where the younger generation are, and to try to get that message of the importance of voting out to them as well. Peer-to-peer voter registration.
0: Do you also work with other city agencies, the housing authority, for instance, to boost voter enrollment?
1: Absolutely, George, and it is a big task. We work with 16 um, city agencies, and the thought behind that is that wherever there are constituents or customers who are coming in, if we can streamline a process of providing access to voter registration forms... So it's a two-pronged thing because it's one, to have someone register to vote, but then the other part is getting them out to vote. So for instance, we may have 2.4 million women who are registered to vote, and a little over 500,000 of them actually exercising their right. So we have various audiences that are underrepresented, but we also have those who are registered and maybe just need that extra push and those who need the voter education.
0: And you have all of these programs in place to educate them. You mentioned the voter guide so they know about the candidates, where they stand on issues. Is that part of your job?
1: Absolutely. So in the municipal elections, the Campaign Finance Board produces a, a voter guide, and it's a printed piece that goes to all homes. And we also, in municipal elections, produce the video voter guide. And that complements it very well uh, for the last two municipal elections we have produced that, where all candidates are invited in to say who they are, what to expect of them. And then it is run on television. It was run on WNBC. It was produced in partnership with WNBC and run on their digital networks. And it was also run on NYC TV as well. Uh, Those are some of the things. We have several campaigns that we're working on as well in terms of voter information.
0: How do you think New York City right now can make it easier for people to register and to vote?
1: The calls that I receive on Election Day, people are waking up thinking, oh, it's Election Day, can I register today? We cannot do that here. We need to have same-day voter registration. We need to make the process as easy as possible for New Yorkers. So same-day voter registration, electronic uh, voter registration as well. People cannot register to vote online. And that's something that people cannot get accustomed to. I mean, the phone calls that we receive are, can I just go online and register? And the answer is no. You have to print out your form, and you have to have an original signature. When you build in extra steps, it makes it harder for the person to actually carry it through, So, which is one of our main things when we make contact with someone, and, such as at a naturalization swearing-in ceremony or in places where, ch- where young people are turning 18. You capture them in the moment, and you try to have them take a moment to feel good, about what they're about to do. When they're 18, they're coming of age. And this is a wonderful way to celebrate coming of age, but not building in barriers. At this point, we need to make it as easy as possible from top to bottom.
0: Is it Albany's responsibility to do that, to make it easier here? Is that who you have to look to to make the changes?
1: Well, we are driven by state law. So yes.
0: So who's holding it up?
1: I would like to say all of us, because we need to be in there saying that this is what we want. Absolutely. Call your legislator. That's right. (laughs) Hold their feet to the fire.
0: (laughs) Onita, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Onita Coward-Mayors is the Director of Voter Assistance for the New York City Campaign Finance Board. They're online at nyccfb.info this is cityscape on 90.7 fm and WFUV.org. i'm george boldarchy as part of WFUV's Strike Accord campaign, this morning we're focusing our attention on efforts to raise political consciousness. A coalition of grassroots organizations is working to do just that among working-class communities of color on Long Island. Daniel Altshuler is the coordinator of the Long Island Civic Engagement Table. Daniel, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks very much for having me.
0: Is there more to that description of your organization that I didn't mention?
2: You know, our work really focuses on increasing civic participation in these communities that have historically um, not had as high levels of participation um, and also historically been ignored largely by elected officials.
0: Now, you are a nonpartisan coalition, correct? So you don't care where someone stands politically. You just want them to register to vote, period.
2: That's absolutely right.
0: How much less likely are blacks and Latinos to vote on Long Island than their white counterparts?
2: You know, it depends when you look at different districts, but we do know historically that the greatest predictor of civic engagement is uh, socioeconomic status, and we also, because of that, because we see uh, very significant segregation on Long Island and wealth disparities, we also see that that has um, implications for racial and ethnic groups. And so we see that consistently in groups where we have a concentration of working-class people of color that those levels are lower.
0: What issues are most important to these communities?
2: You know, some of the issues that we're hearing a lot in the work that we're doing right now, for instance, is a lot of folks are out there supporting an increased minimum wage. People want to make sure that immigrant students, particularly in the Latino community, have access to higher education. Um, And, of course, there's always the issue of jobs and economic prosperity. And, you know, one of another facet of that right now is the foreclosure crisis, which, you know, the areas where we work in Suffolk County are among the hardest hit um, by the foreclosure crisis.
0: What exactly is your strategy for boosting voter participation within working class communities of color?
2: So this year, we're launching an effort where we've brought in uh, over 15 different organizations that we're working with here in Suffolk County who are going to be doing volunteer-led voter registration, uh, which includes going to areas where... There are a lot of folks out on the street, uh, festivals, schools, um, also bringing in local business partners and other institutions like churches uh, that are supportive of these efforts to get their communities involved. And then after we've done and registered thousands of voters, what we'll do is do a coordinated canvas in which we contact voters multiple times and make sure that they have all the information that they need and also are reminded to go out and vote on election day.
0: Do you have a goal to register a certain number of voters by November?
2: Uh, Well, our deadline is October 12th. It's 25 days before election day, and we will be registering at least 2,500 people and hopefully more.
0: Are you targeting any specific areas leading up to the November election?
2: Well, right now, our office is based in Brentwood in Suffolk County, Um, so we're working heavily in Brentwood and Central Islip. We'll also be doing work in the town of Brookhaven. And for organizations that want to do this work in other parts of Suffolk County and Long Island, we are open to working with them and providing support on the most effective ways to do this type of work.
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, Daniel, how effective would you say your efforts have been to date?
2: You know, I think that we've done an excellent job, particularly over the last year, in working with groups to to make everyone feel and know that this work is possible. Um, I think we've been a very strong, motivating influence, um, so I'd put us somewhere near the higher end of that scale.
0: What would you say, Daniel, is your biggest challenge in doing this?
2: Well, I think, you know, we always obviously face the constraints of resources, and we're always looking um, for new ways to expand our work. Um, you know, I think one that we've done a good job of is sometimes we confront individuals and organizations who, you know, feel disheartened and feel like this work is too hard, but where we're able um, to show very concrete successes, we're able to motivate people and get them uh, encouraged and involved.
0: Daniel, thanks so much for your time.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Daniel Altschuler is the coordinator of the Long Island Civic Engagement Table. You'll find them at licivicengagement.org. The Dave Matthews Band is one of many groups working with the New York City-based organization Headcount to register voters and raise political consciousness. Andy Bernstein is Headcount's executive director. Andy, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. What
3: is the primary mission of Headcount? Uh, Headcount is all about taking the power that exists in the music world and translating it into tangible, real things. And it, It starts for us with voter registration, and that's kind of the origins of the organization. We've registered about 200,000 voters in our history through a very simple model. we set up tables at concerts and ask people if they're registered to vote. And if they're not, we register them. And we're doing this all over the country, led by volunteers. Uh, So we volunteer street teams in every major city. But there is a higher purpose to it. It doesn't stop with just getting someone's name on a piece of paper. What it's really about is taking the consciousness that's already there in the music world and a lot of the shared values that are not political values but more human values and getting organized enough that we can do something about it, that we have a voice in government, that we can affect policy, or that we can organize together and just do positive things. So not only have we registered 200,000 voters, but we also put solar panels on the roof of a public school. We've uh, done things like stage special events, like we did a concert this year, with The National and Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead at Bobby's studio. And between sets, we had a roundtable political conversation that was all webcast live on Yahoo. So we try to take music as sort of the honey and uh, really just as a force to bring people together and then can do very, very real things, starting with the voter registration.
0: So how does it work? Do you approach bands and ask them if you can set up tables outside of their shows?
3: Yeah, and also concert promoters, but mostly bands. We work with around 80 bands that we're regularly working with, and it's everyone from Jay-Z and Dave Matthews Band to Wilco, Death Cab for Cutie, My Morning Jacket, The Shins. Uh, You know, we're, we're pretty open in terms of any kind of musical genre. We don't really do pop music. It's all stuff where there's a real community around the music and, and real emphasis on live performance. Like we are out at concerts. We do a lot of things online as well, but it starts with the flesh and blood and being at concerts. So we look for bands that are on tour and love the road And uh, it's just a great forum to reach
0: people. I was going to ask you, do you tour with bands or just go to individual shows?
3: It's both. With some of the bigger bands where there's some funding available, we'll actually send people on the road. So right now we have four people out on the road with Dave Matthews Band traveling in a Volkswagen minivan just hitting every show. Um, and then they're met by local volunteers in each city. So we'll have a dozen people at a Dave Matthews Band show, clipboards in hand, registering voters. We're doing that this year with Wilco. We do it with Fish and Further. In the past, we've done it with Pearl Jam, with John Mayer, with Jack Johnson. And that's sort of the the the, the top. Um, but we're also, every night of the week, we're at a local show with our local volunteers. And so in New York City, we're regularly at Irving Plaza, at Best Buy Theater, at Terminal 5, and that's just a, a local New York City opportunity that anybody can sign up and do. You don't have to go on the road. How many people would you say
0: you generally register to vote at a typical Dave Matthews concert, for instance?
3: Dave Matthews is a really good day. Is about 200. So when we, we really pull together as a team, we can hit around 200. Or the highest ever we've done for a single concert is in the 400 range. And then at a big festival like Lollapalooza or Bonnaroo, we can, we can break a 1,000 pretty consistently.
0: It's one thing to get people registered to vote, but it's another thing to get them to the polls. Do you take part in that process as well, reminding them to get out there and actually exercise their right to vote?
3: Absolutely. And we try to do very creative things working with the artists. Like an example of something we did in 2010 for the midterm elections is we had people sign a pledge to vote where they could pick what musician they wanted to get a reminder call from. And it was Willie Nelson and Wayne Coyne and and uh, Jim James and, and Questlove, a lot of great artists And most people got the reminder recorded phone call, but a few people got surprise live calls. Uh, Bob Weir from the Grateful Dead, who's on our board of directors, probably made over 100 phone calls. And, uh, I mean, that was obviously pretty cool. And and people still come up to me and say, Bob Weir called me at home. (laughs) Like, whoa. And, you know, it's a truly unforgettable thing. And and it gets back to the the power, the magic that these artists possess. And, And we've been really humbled by how willing the artists are to share that, particularly Bob Weir, who is just a really generous guy with his time. Has Headcount done any studies into whether people are more or less likely to
0: vote based on their musical preferences?
3: Well, we've done a lot of uh, surveys, and we did something called the Fandy A poll last year, and we did ask some of those questions, and it was very interesting what we found. I mean, we found that... uh, one of the takeaways based on musical taste was that definitely like the indie rock area had a more kind of sophisticated, more political party affiliation. If you got down to um, like electronic music where the, the crowds were a lot younger, it was a little more open season. Um, but interestingly, we asked electronic music fans the state of the country and they said more positive, more were saying things aren't so bad. Um, So we were able to kind of identify some differences based on musical taste, based on demographics. And, you know, our our thinking was it's really important that we're listening. You know, before you tell anybody to vote, ask them what they think. And that's kind of an ethos that we really believe in. And we're also just sort of nerds about music communities. We're kind of, I say we're a sociology experiment. Can the music community organize from within and become politically influential and impactful? And to get it down to the little micro-communities around different artists and different genres of music, it really fascinates me. And um, we we're, we're really try to use that knowledge that we gain to to be authentic within each music community. It's hard. It's hard to be as authentic to an electronic music fan as a hip-hop fan or an indie rock fan. But it's something we really aim to be because... Voting is a common denominator. Wanting to have a voice is a common denominator, and hopefully we can bring different communities together. Andy, thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure.
0: Andy Bernstein is with the New York City-based organization Headcount. The group uses the power of music to register voters and raise political consciousness. Finally today, a Brooklyn-based nonprofit says it's made voting as easy as renting a DVD from Netflix. Seth Flaxman is the co-founder of TurboVote, He joins us now to explain how it works. Seth, good morning. Good morning. What exactly is TurboVote?
4: TurboVote is a system we built to make voting fit the way we live. We want voting by mail and voter registration to be as easy as renting a Netflix DVD.
0: What's wrong with the current system?
4: The current system is really convenient if you're an 18th century farmer um voting on a tuesday was real easy real good for them because wednesday was market day sunday was church day monday you had to go to the county seat but uh we don't really live the same way anymore so we think right now you know, only half of us vote in presidential elections only about 40% of us vote in midterm elections and often only around 10 or 15% of us vote in uh, local or primary elections. So we think a big part of the problem is that the voting system doesn't fit the way we live, and a big part of the problem with our democracy is that not enough people are voting.
0: So you say that this system makes it as easy as renting a movie from Netflix, but how does it work exactly?
4: Uh, when you sign up, uh, we start tracking your local, uh, your election calendar, local, primary, federal, and your uh, registration status. And so if you need to uh, register or uh, vote by mail, We will mail you the correct form, pre-filled out, with a pre-addressed, pre-stamped envelope. And then that's the part that's sort of like renting a Netflix DVD comes in the mail with a pre-addressed, pre-stamped envelope. And then we'll text you a reminder to sign it and mail it back. And so then if you're voting by mail, we'll uh, remind you to, um, by text message, to mail in your mail-in ballot. And if you're voting in person, we'll then remind you, you know, tomorrow's a school board election. Here's your polling place.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because it's one thing to be registered to vote. It's another thing to get to the polls or mail in your absentee ballot. But you're making it easier for people by simply reminding them.
4: Right, exactly. There's all sorts of information that people have a hard time keeping track of. Where do they vote? When do they vote? What forms do they need? So we try and take all the friction out of the process so that the only thing you have to worry about is who you're going to vote for.
0: Who's your primary audience for this?
4: Um, so we want to build a tool for everyone to be sort of a new service for all Americans to vote. Uh, we're uh, That said, we're launching right now um, on college campuses. We started at Harvard last fall where the tied us into their class registration process. And we just think that there's you know, every student usually needs to register or vote by mail, so there's a um a lot of interest there.
0: Do you have enough experience at this point to determine whether your program is actually having an impact in boosting voter participation?
4: Uh so we did a pilot in two thousand and ten uh when we first got off the ground with several hundred college students and thirty uh, percent of them said that if it wasn't for our service, they probably wouldn't have voted. Uh, so we've, we've done some studies, but this is the first year we'll, we'll we'll really be operating at scale.
0: Does it cost you money to use TurboVote?
4: Um, so each mailing or uh, costs money because there's like two stamps involved and in, uh, forms. So we ask you to cover the cost of the mailings. Um, but right now, when we're signing up a lot of colleges and nonprofits, other big organizations, so that uh, members of those institutions can. Uh, use the service without having to pay for the cost of mailings. So, like, I, I used the example of Harvard before. They covered the cost of mailings for their students.
0: But you're not in the business of making money, right? You're a nonprofit organization.
4: Yeah, yeah we're a 501c3.
0: Where do you get your funding from?
4: Uh, so our our biggest uh, funders are the Knight Foundation. Um, and uh, we got a grant from Google this year, which is pretty exciting. And uh, we had some early support from the, the Sunlight Foundation also.
0: How did this idea all come about for you?
4: Um, I was in grad school at the Kennedy School, and I went there to study the Internet. But I also my background is more in politics, and I was really interested in elections. And I went to grad school and kept missing elections. And I sort of had this realization that I'm like obsessed with elections, and if I'm missing them, um, there's got to be a process problem. It can't just be that people are lazy.
0: How many people are currently enrolled with TurboVote?
4: We have around... Ten colleges, ten nonprofits signed up right now, and, and collectively their goal is to serve around a million people this fall. Um, but this is our first scaling year, so our current membership levels are, you know, are pretty low. Most people will start signing up um, probably in September.
0: Why do you think it is that you had to come up with this? Why didn't it come from boards of election?
4: <laughs> That's a great question. So the the idea itself isn't that complicated. Uh, part of the problem is that we have almost four thousand local election boards to counties and towns that run elections, and they don't really have a lot of money right now, so the BCs don't invest in companies to build cool technology for them, and they don't really have the funds to hire developers and build good tools for themselves. So we're trying to fill that gap as a non-profit that builds interesting uh, tools.
0: And this is all coming out of Brooklyn, right here in New York City,
4: right? It's all coming out of Brooklyn, where change happens. <laughs>
0: Seth Flaxman, thank you so much. Thank you. Seth Flaxman is the co-founder of TurboVote, a Netflix-like voter assistance website. Check them out at TurboVote.org. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. For more information on WFUV's Strike Accord campaign on electoral engagement, visit WFUV.org slash Strike Accord. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Julie Clark. Have a great weekend.